fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Man, I'm really good. Uh, I It's Sunday morning. The sun is out. The birds are chirping. The birds are literally chirping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, with these condenser mics, maybe we get some of the bird chirping and you guys can have a uh, three little birds moment on your on your drive to work this morning or wherever you may be. Or a Snow White moment. Or a Snow you know, White we've moment. Got, we've got birds and squirrels in here helping us I, with I, our production. I always think of uh, I always think of Bob no, Marley. Cinderella, not Snow White. <laughs> right? Yeah, Cinderella had the birds and shit making her dress for her. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Cinderella, Cinderella. I, I, yeah. uh, I, I've had a, a, a semi-productive morning. I went and ran and um you know that's always nice so we, I, sunday mornings i do my my group run with my local uh running group and uh that's nice you know you get the get the shakes out and i saw a guy the other day running in your limited release pros only shoes oh really he was running very fast well so those have been released now so they're no longer limited release they're now open to the public oh yeah, they're full release. So they're not special anymore. Well, I mean, they're still special, but, you, you know, I don't do my training runs in them um, because they're, you know, I'm a big guy and they're expensive and they've got they don't have much rubber on the bottom of them. So, and I don't have $180 to spend on uh, a shoe that I'm going to wear for a hundred miles or whatever, you, you, you know, the, these lighter runners, I, I'm, I'm still a pretty big guy when it comes to running. Um, at 5'11", I'm, I'm right around 180 pounds, and I just tear through shoes. You know, even sort of firm, hard rubber shoes, I can go through a pair of shoes in 250 to 300 miles. And, and you know, some of these lighter runners, you know, someone like Eliud Kipchoge might get 500, 600 miles out of a pair of shoes. Although, if you're Kipchoge, you probably put on a brand new minty pair of shoes every time you step out the door. I don't know what that guy does, but... For me and what I do, I'm going to wear shoes that last as absolutely long as possible because every time I tell my wife, hey, babe, I, you know, I, I need to get a new pair, pair of shoes, um, which happened. I mean, it's 60 days, right? I get 60-ish days out of a pair of shoes, 60 to 90, depending on, on where I'm at in my training cycle. So that's it, it's already a pretty tough so <laughs> I get way more out of a pair of shoes. Well, that that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, realistically, you know, I get to about 300 miles and I, I, I start to, you know, get pretty significant flat spots or even start to plow through the rubber on the bottom and you get into foam and then I get tendonitis on my knees or whatever. And it's just not not feasible when you're running you know gosh i think i'm on pace for um i think i'm on pace for a little over 2000 miles in 2019 um is that right yeah yeah no in fact significantly more than 2000 so that's too far it seems it's it's pretty cool though right no 2000 miles you know i i think i'm on pace right now for maybe 25 2600 cool 2020 three grand that's what i want out of you i mean it's theoretically possible you know you barring injury or whatever so well i'll hold you to it how are you doing 
Good. I mean, like we said, the sun is out. The birds are chirping. It is a beautiful weekend day. I didn't work late last night, so I got home at a reasonable hour, saw the fam, hung out. I can't complain. We're drinking Irish coffee to start our day. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for that. Irish coffee being Irish whiskey in coffee. It, Just, we didn't we didn't go all out <laughs> today, but uh, since it is Sunday morning, it felt weird just drinking beer that wasn't red beer. Uh, but since Bloody Mary mixes have so many carbs and sugar in them, I was trying to be sensitive to your needs. I, I, I so love I brought you some for Irish that. whiskey. I love you for that. We were just talking about uh, the benefits of keto. You know, anytime you do any sort of restricted diet, there's going to be tremendous downsides, right? You can't eat bread. You can't eat bread, right? Obviously, with keto, there's this thing, you know, gosh, I just want to go to Papa's Pizza and get a large... Deschutes or whatever their their great pizza is, and and mow on it, and I can't do that because it pulls you out of ketosis, and then you've got to sort of get your way, you know. So I could, right? But there's there's major ramifications to that. But the one nice thing about keto is when you eat, when you consume fat, you really just get a buy into it. And so when I drink coffee, normally I drink my coffee black, um, but when I drink coffee that I put. Uh, creamer in, which I do maybe once a week. I, I want a nice fatty sort of creamy coffee. I get to use heavy whipping cream and it, it's actually a supplement to my diet. It's not even, there's zero guilt involved. Guilt-free heavy whipping cream. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And you know, sometimes for our, for our dessert, you know, desserts are tough on keto too, but sometimes for our dessert, we'll do like a nighttime chai tea. A chai tea latte. I'll take heavy whipping cream and put it on our little whipping machine that heats the milk up and whips it. And uh, oh my god, uh, 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 a whipped heavy whipping cream chai latte is the bee's knees. So I have all that too, also guilt free and no keto. It's because you're just you're just a naturally fit dude. Well. Okay, I appreciate the compliment. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm not a naturally fit dude. I'm, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, too much about human biology or whatever, but I think I'm a body type that just gains fat extremely quickly, right? So uh, does that mean I am efficient? I think that means I've just got an efficient metabolism. So when... Yeah, I know it seems counterproductive, but I think that that's what it comes down to. So my body takes calories and adds them to the bank. So I I don't need these. So you got a greedy metabolism. I've got a greedy. Uh, uh, no, no, the opposite. If you've got a greedy metabolism, like I need all the food, um, then then you're gonna burn through it, right? These skinny, these skinny sort of uh, Joey Ramone types have greedy metabolisms. Mine is like, no, no. I'm frugal. I'll take everything you give me and I'll put this in the bank. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. No, I, I get it. So I've I've got uh I've got maybe a uh yeah, no, I'm not gonna go there actually. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 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 doing great. Uh enjoying I've I've already what what are we through two of these things now? So yeah. I'm, I'm already feeling the Tullamore Dew soaking through my body. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Tillamore Dew, it is here, it's like 29 bucks a bottle. It is my absolute favorite Irish whiskey. It's not super hot. It's easy to drink. Oh yeah. And it, when, when I try to, when I'm trying to cut down on, on beer consumption, my favorite thing is to do a two fingers of Tillamore Dew and a beer. Those flavors complement each other 
so well. Tillamore is so easy to drink. It's inexpensive. Next time you're looking for an Irish whiskey and you don't know what to pick, or next time you're at the liquor store and you're, you're doing one of those trips in a liquor store with an intent to leave with something and don't know what it is, if you've not tried it, check it out. You're going to enjoy it. I think it's amazing that we drink liquor, not as much beer, but the way we drink liquor is the same way we buy watches, right? We've got green special reserve Weller is the Seiko Sarb. We've got, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, I think wild Turkey. I'm going to say wild Turkey is the, the SKX okay. of, of bourbons. Question I mean, is wild Turkey rye or not? Oh, you know, I like wild Turkey 101, just the okay. regular Kentucky. I like the rye 101. The rye is really good too. Um, but, but same deal, right? Maybe that's the, uh, the SKX 013. We've got famous grouse is the, mm-hmm. is the Orient Mako. Yeah. Fam- famous cross black is the or- or- orient ray or, Ooh, or- yeah <laughs> we, we what's jim beam devil's cut I-, I think we we uh do frugal frugal things uh just it- it's just our nature right i want a 40 dollar whiskey that's going to be fantastic and wonderful and enjoyable all the time or a 30 30 to 40 dollar whiskey that's the same as saying i want a 200 to 500 dollar watch that's just going to kill it there is a uh a bottle called uh, Monkey Shoulder. Mm, I love it. I love Monkey it's, Shoulder. Uh, it's about 40 bucks. I think you led me on to Monkey Shoulder. I did. Uh, it's about 40 bucks, And it's a blend of four whiskeys. And I don't remember what they are. But each of those bottles independently run between 60 and 80. Uh, each of its blended components. So you're getting somehow... I don't know if it's if it's what they spill on the floor and shop vac it up. And yeah, that's how maybe they blend it's it. Or, yeah. But it is killer it's so well balanced it's so bright i love it if you're so tullamore dew or monkey shoulder next time you're in the liquor store did did you ever confirm that uh weller is pappy seconds yeah we we confirmed that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's it's buffalo trace it's there it's i don't know if it's seconds necessarily but it's Re- rejects or whatever right yeah this, yeah this is not in the p- profile we need so we've made it the way we make it but we actually can't use it because it, it has, it's not quite it's out of tolerance and it that's right and their prices are going up this year i think since people there's been there's a big whiskey boom right fuck, now man it's so hard to get whiz it's so hard to get weller i even, all my local spots it's, are it's always been hard but it's getting harder and yeah. more expensive yeah yeah, I, I think we'll probably see that at, at about forty five fifty by when when it settles, if it settles. I think it'll settle about fifty. And antique, I think, will probably settle at about sixty five, because um, it's a dollar more than than the reserve. And the antique is good. It tastes. It's got it. like a really great sherry flavor to it, and um, that's why I love. That's why I love Famous Grouse. You're not a big fan of Famous Grouse, are you? Uh, I've had it a couple times, and not not familiar enough with it to formulate an opinion you, you you know if you drink if you drink scotch I, I think it's very popular to drink scotch that that leans peaty um because mm-hmm. that's sort of the the identifying characteristic for a lot of people of scotch is that really heavy peat so you get these peat bomb scotches and, and i think that much like the the beer world at least the entry level microbrew world has trended to super hoppy see i i disagree it used to i think seven years ago hot bombs were the thing you were gonna find beers 160 170 ibu which Mm -hmm. is unbearable yeah and i think in the last in the last like seven years 
uh, beer is balanced out and they've gone towards like the north end of the pale. You're looking at 90 yeah. to 100 IBUs, which when you when you consider the way that people are using hops right now, IBUs are almost hidden. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right. it's an important indicator, but you get so much other flavors, so many flavors out of hops. I mean, shoot, there's a, a, a beer by Magic Hat that's probably 100 IBUs and it tastes like blueberry. It tastes like you're drinking a blueberry cider. Magic Hat makes great beers. Yeah, yeah Magic Hat makes great beers. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think that the beer world has been has been developing. Um, but 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 you're right. So there was a time where it was like hops, 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 more hops. Give me more. Yeah. I want all the hops. Triple IPA is at six percent IBV or ABV. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. like if you're gonna have a triple IPA, I want it. I want it to be like north of ten, and still taste good. So I think in that same way, scotch, popular scotch, has trended towards very heavy peated. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I love a peated, a peated whiskey. I love um, Johnny Black is you know obviously, such a good value too. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe Johnny Black's actually the SKX of the of maybe. the the whiskey world, but I, I love it. And obviously Lafroig and you know some of these more peaty scotches i'm a big fan of but for an everyday drinker i want something that trends sherry which is why i love famous grouse because it's a very sherry profile i mean it does not have a big hop note or excuse me a big (laughs) peat note uh like some of these so but they they have black grouse which is which is their peated version which is only a couple bucks more if if that's your thing but famous grouse long way of saying Famous Grouse, give it a try. Yeah. Uh, so now you've got three <laughs> options going into the liquor store. And for those of you who aren't scotch or whiskey drinkers, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wild Turkey 101. I mean, I think four. You, you know, Wild, I think you introduced me to Wild Turkey 101. Wild Turkey 101, I think, is one of those whiskeys that everybody's grandpa had. And so people in college, it's because it's cheap too. So, well, this is 101 proof whiskey. Boom! And so people get it in their heads that it's shitty whiskey. Wild Turkey 101 is a top of the line consumer grade bourbon. And and if you know your bourbons at all and you haven't given Wild Turkey a second chance since you went to college, I would say go buy a bottle and pour yourself a finger and take it slow and really be thoughtful about it. It is, in my mind, as an amateur bourbon connoisseur, it is, in my mind, the best value. It's hot because it's 101 proof. So, so here's how to fix that. Don't hit it with ice cubes. Mm-hmm. Pay, pay the $9 and get whiskey stones. Drop those in there and give it just a splash. I'm talking like six drops of water. Yeah. And it, ooh. I, I don't love a whiskey stone, but I, I, I know what you're I know what you're putting what you're putting down. Um, I, you know what I do? I do a splash of soda, uh, club oh, soda. Mm-hmm. That's that's my jam because then you get just a little bit of effervescence. It really opens up. Uh, it really opens up some of those bottom notes that are a little harder to pull. But I, I guess you'd call that a uh, um, whiskey cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd call that a whiskey cocktail. No, what's the name of it? What's the name of a, a whiskey and whiskey and water? Is a well watered down whiskey. It's <laughs> let's have some more. Tell them more. Do yeah, let's do it. This is America. 
Well, well, good. We're uh, we're talking about watches today. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> well, well, can you introduce the topic before we do that? Can we talk about the watch you have on your wrist, just briefly? Oh yeah, I know we have a lot of watches to this. talk about today, but I want to talk about what's on your wrist. Let's talk about this. I, I picked up a new watch on you, accident, sort of. On accident, sort of. Yeah, because you picked up three new watches in the last thirty days. Yes, so that's true. I've, I've picked up, I've purchased three watches in the last 30 days, which is one of those things that happens. And when it happens, it happens quick. And it is a, a major strain on one's marriage. Yeah. Fortunately. Be- well, no, I guess a couple of them were a little bit more spending, but you got that for a killer deal. Th- this one was a killer deal. You, you, you know, and I will say one of the watches that's incoming is at, at least 85% of it headed out the door eventually. Yeah. Yeah, so so you know some of you guys will have heard our discussion about my desire to pick up a white G-Shock and my eventual purchase of a white G-Shock, but me lamenting the fact that it doesn't have the GWM 5610 classic red, blue and gold dial. Well, after that episode, we got a couple of hits, a couple of hits and folks said, "Well, I'll take your modded G-Shock." So, the First, first point, the first ever limited edition 40 and 20 G-Shock is... Almost created. Almost completed. Uh, its owner, its owner has already been selected, so sorry, you've missed, much like Hodinky, if you weren't on it, you were missed it, and so the limited editions are sold out, but the first ever limited edition 40 and 20 watch is on the way to its... Uh, eventual owner once I get it and uh, it's really a matter of just swapping the bezel and the strap that's going to happen probably this week and then I assume it will get to its owner sometime first part of August first part of August so but we'll have plenty of pictures of the swap and everything uh, before we get there but this watch I sent you a picture of a Casio lineage watch now casio lineage is not a name that i'm familiar with well i'm more familiar with it now yeah now but before i what's a casio lineage so this is a jdm japanese domestic market multi-band six tough movement tough solar casio dress sport yeah watch uh it comes in at about 38 millimeters this particular version has uh, integrated lugs, which is not ideal, but for the for the purposes of this watch, it actually winds up working just fine. It's a white dial, gold markers, gold hands. Um, you can check out the Instagram if you haven't seen a picture. I posted a picture of it this morning. Um, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. So I've had trouble getting it to sync to the atomic clock. I have I, I have so many wonders. And, it, and it, unfortunately, my wonders far outreach my uh, intelligence. Mm. I wouldn't even know where to begin with the troubleshoot. Also, your mustache is growing into your lip, and I cannot stop looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Not ingrown, but the length of it has exceeded your your lip. Uh, yeah, I can get it into my mouth. Yeah, it's, it's really yucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yucky. I think it's yucky. Come on, man. You're going to get mustache stuck in your teeth. <laughs> I can well, yeah, it's attached. I can actually put my mustache in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is crazy because this is a 5-week beard and it's 
I'm, got some good girth. Yeah, yeah. And I get another like three weeks before I have to shave it. I'm gonna have to stop looking at you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know the um, this is a metal watch that does not have a crown. It's completely computer modulated. So when I set it, there's this whole dance, press A, press B, press C. And so because it's designed to set itself based on the atomic clock, the manual setting is a pain. Because it's a backup. Yeah, that's right. It's a pain in the ass. Uh, But I'm having trouble getting it to sing. Have you tried setting it in the window facing north? I have done that. I have done that. I think I what I need to do is I need to get it to a place where I know I'm getting atomic signal or where I know it's likely and maybe leave it for a day or so and see what happens. You, you know, we're up in the mountains and trees and um, mountains. We're, we're on the foothills. Um, but maybe the office. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm thinking perhaps the office um, and, and sort of leave it out and see what happens but but for now i had to manually set it which was which was a pain in the ass it involved googling uh pulling up a pdf of a a 15 year old or 18 year old manual um was it in japanese so you also had to google translate it it was in english it was in english so they have sold versions of this module watches with this module in the states but this this watch itself is a japanese domestic market model so um, we'll see. I, I mean, I can always just set it. It's going to run with some pretty good accuracy, I assume. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I dig it. It looks great. You, you know, I, I may need to try to source a movement too, which based on my initial search may prove difficult. That might be why you got, got such a good deal. Yeah, well, <laughs> and they, they were pretty honest in in the listing. They said, you know, this is, it's running. We haven't synced it. We haven't even tried to sync it. And the pushers are sticky. So when I the first thing I did when I got this was I took it all apart. I sprayed it with a sort of um, a, a solvent to intended to kind of wear down all the shit on it because it was filthy. And, you, you know, I took it all apart. I took the case back off. It's a snap case back. That was a pain in the ass. And my first time doing that. Um, took the module out um really hit all the pushers because the pushers were all stuck oh and i think they were stuck in in biological material so i hit everything really good and then i let it soak for about 30 minutes and then i dunked the whole thing bracelet clasp but you know it's all apart at this point i dunked the whole thing in vinegar everything but the case back because the case back had some insulating paper and stuff on it and so i didn't i didn't dunk the case back in i just cleaned that separately but everything else just dropped it in white vinegar and let it soak for about an hour and then cleaned it. I got all the pushers freed up, um, you, you know, basically just moving back and forth, put it back together. It's working. I, the only thing I've yet to do is get it to sync. So it's coming and it's working. It's working. Look at you watch servicing, watch servicing. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of fun. It was a fun project. Um, and I had zero, I, you know, because I had, I had bid on this thing, forgotten I had bid on it. Found out later I won it. Uh, <laughs> when you said you won that watch, I was like, did you enter something? Like, Yeah, no, I mean, I won the the, the auction. Well, I get that now. 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Uh, but yeah, it was fun to take a watch apart. And, and in the past, when I've taken watches apart, I feel a little anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this one, I was like, well, 
the worst that happens is I fuck something up and I'm out 30 bucks. That's, yeah, low risk, high reward opportunity. Totally, totally. And so I cleaned it really well because it was it was disgusting. So now if you want to send us any of your luxury brand watches, Everett can service them. Yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, I was I, I, I was thinking about like getting into exclusively surfa- uh, servicing Platinum Nautilus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just be an exclusive one-stop shop for servicing your Platinum Nautilus. Perfect. Send them your way. Yeah. So send them over. No worries. Low risk, high reward. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking today about reissue watches. We are. We're following the reissue vintage-inspired trend, and that's where we're going to start. Reissues. Let's, Let's first address... The gorilla? The gorilla... The the elephant in the room. What is the difference in your mind between a reissue and vintage inspired? Because we've got a lot of watch mm. companies dropping, not air, not even air quotes reissued. They're dropping vintage inspired watches that look a lot like some of their OG watches, but they're just calling them vintage inspired. And I'm wondering why. First of all, why why aren't they just doing a doing a reissue getting some brand excitement some name recognition excitement behind some of these vintage watches as opposed or and and instead doing vintage inspired you know i i don't know the answer to that i i, I mean you 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 know this stuff is all marketing right it, nobody cares about anything besides selling watches nobody nobody in the watch game cares about anything besides selling the watches so which is reasonable because if they did they'd be stupid that's right and out of business that's right um and, and so we care about different things we, we meaning you and i and you know mgmas and middle six feet and dancy and whoever else uh, is listening to us cares about something different mm-hmm. right so so you know eric from emg he's a watch nerd he is a watch nerd but when it comes to the watches he's selling, he still wants to sell them. He wants to sell those watches, right? So I assume EMG is making decisions based in part on their ability to sell watches. Now, I think that there are probably some makers who have the luxury of making whatever the fuck they want. But by and large, these guys have to make something that's going to sell, mm-hmm. right? So, and the big producers are the same way. Seiko is the same way there's got to be a market timex same way i'm gonna have to sell this i don't care how cool it is joe's gotta buy it yeah uh joe whatever i don't know why i threw that term in there (laughs) joe's almost pejorative for (laughs) for just a regular just just regular ass dude regular ass dude so um you, you know with that in mind, a reissue, they come in multiple shapes and sizes, right? Some of them are like so far removed from the source material that you wonder. That's not a reissue. That's I, a different watch. Why didn't, don't, don't try to fool me. Why didn't they just say, you know, the 2019, um, 2019 version of this watch, which is from our historical. And sometimes they do. But, you know, you hear reissue and you think... This is going to be one to one. You know, the Q Q Timex is one that pops in my mind as being just 
inordinately loyal to its source material, right? Q, the Q-Timex, obviously, Timex's first real major foray, maybe their first foray period into the quartz world. And it would have been very easy for Timex to drop a similar looking thing into a completely different watch. You know? Or just call it their vintage inspired and not go shot for shot or reissue. But it's it's super loyal. Yeah. All the way down to the folded links with visible folds on the outside, size. I mean, they really were loyal to that source material. But not everybody is, you know. Everybody and everybody's reissuing, right? Or vintage inspiring. It's probably the hottest segment in watches. Yeah. Yeah. Or or they're doing they're doing their vintage inspired line. I think Dan Henry's a really good example of not doing reissues, doing really good vintage inspired watches. At least from my perspective on your question, I, I think that there there is some difference. I don't know that we need to nail it down or I need to nail it down, but there is some differences. Yeah. And I think I think we're we're looking at watch watch manufacturers uh, and seeing that they're doing kind of their own thing with it but they're all they're all kind of drawing from the same playbook so with that all being said today we're going to talk about some reissues that we really dig and we're calling out some watch companies to drop some reissues that we want to see yeah give us give us our reissues our vintage reissues i don't i don't want vintage inspired something that looks like it i want these watches reissued right meow meow uh yeah no i agree with you i agree with you i want the ones that i've picked like tomorrow i hope one of these drops in like the next two weeks right <laughs> and then uh, we can be watch profits that'd be fantastic that'd be a good podcasting it, the the who is the famous uh the famous predictor of the future uh from history he predicted everything nostradamus nostradamus we could be the nostradamus of the watch world i like watch profit so my my first one, and we've already talked about this watch, but I think it's hella cool, is the Seiko SUS. You know, I think we talked about this even before Seiko reissued this in, in terms of the Manchester Watchworks Rattler. Because I was like, this mm-hmm. is such a cool watch. It's a reissue of an impossible to find Seiko. Um, you, you know, and, and then a few weeks ago... <laughs> and then a few weeks ago, Seiko reissues several models of the Seiko SUS. This, again, is a watch that came out in the 80s, I believe, from Seiko after polling the young people in Japan to say, what do you want? And they said, this is what we want. So this is the sort of classic field watch style SUS. They all have quartz movements, and they're also they're also diminutive, Right. Uh, Ooh, I, I want to say they're, they're 35. Ooh. They're, so they're diminutive. Um, you know, the, I, I like that. I like reissues that stay true to size. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we mm-hmm. get further forward. But Well, right. That's a big thing. It's the, the big thing. It's the biggest thing. It's the it, And it like, you want to talk a little bit more about the SUS before we, before we move on? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you, you, you know, these came out and they came out in 35. And, and my initial reaction to that was... Ah, oh, they should have done 38. But there's something to be said for their loyalty to the source material. Um, I, I think in this case, I, I think in this case, it's too small. I think in this case, it's too small. However, I will say in defense of Seiko, I don't think there's anybody else making a 35 millimeter filled watch that's this cool. 
I don't know if there's anyone else making a 35 millimeter field watch. Period, right? Yeah. And, and certainly there are, but but they're not sort of in the mainstream. They're not, I don't necessarily know about them or, or whatever. So um, it would surprise me if there were not. However, there is not a mainstream company making a main line field watch that's 35 millimeters. This is it. And I think with good reason, 35 is a touch small. It's touch small. For, for, for the modern era, but... And we'll get into this, and we'll we'll start it right now. The issue that I take with most reissues is that they go from what was a really really good size, and making it too big, mm-hmm. way too big. Yeah, and and you get something like this where I think maybe with the SUS they should have gone vintage inspired, done a new line, and cranked it to 30, 37 and a half, 38 Yeah, to make it a more popular, more wearable watch in the modern era because watch size has gone up. But sure. it's but we don't need fucking forty eight millimeter watches for the most part. That's There's right. a place for them, but in these vintage inspired watches and these reissues, they need to stay, I think, closer to the original size, but ratchet up just a touch to fit the the modern aesthetic. You, you know, in my mind, these at thirty seven, ooh, that'd would be, be good. perfect. Yeah, it'd be and, perfect. and in fairness, though, I, I think that starts to starts to bunch into the SNK, and sure. which might be why they made well, the decision. But they just the SNK, right? The SNK yeah. is not even a th- uh, not even a thing anymore. But the so. five series still is, and I, I think they they didn't want to have two competing lines. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, if if you know, these are super hard to get in the U.S. still because they're JDM. Um, you, you know, you can find them in our global uh, marketplace, but they're still tough to get. Um, quartz movements, which is not for everybody. Certainly in a field watch, that's totally respectable, but you're fine. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. That's my first choice. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great watch. I, I'm, I'm a little tentative just in terms of the size, but outside of that, this has been a watch that people have been looking at for years and Seiko just sort of quietly and out of nowhere says, oh, here you go. Here you go. Right. <laughs> in the way that Seiko does. Juan Juan. What's your first watch? Next up, the Oceanographer Devil Diver. Oh, yes. And this this actually is going to raise two issues for me. One, I really, really like that they decided to reissue it because it is such a cool watch. It beautiful. is beautiful. It has such... It, Did you say the word Bulova? Yeah. It's Caravelle. But, okay. <laughs> but Bulova's dropping it right now, yeah, right? And and, right. We, and so that raises part of the issue. I wish Caravelle was still the, the true-to-form discount Bulova, and it... It's. It doesn't feel like it to me. It feels a little bit. Was it still Bull of IP? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think so. I'm. I'm. Yeah. No, it is. Okay. It has to be right. I don't. I can't imagine. I don't them, know. them. Them. Uh, divesting that that name and then another company picking it up happens all the time. But they're still. So anyway, they're still producing watches and they're still kind of. They they look Bulova E. Which makes me think that it's that it's still got to be IP of, of Bulova. But I dig this watch. I think this watch was absolutely ahead of its time when it dropped because now it looks it looks right for the era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is so good. It I I don't need the six hundred sixty six meters, but what a cool what a cool thing. Six hundred sixty six feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, OG. 40 millimeters. Gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Current iteration, 44. 
You know, every time we talk about the name of the show, someone comments on Instagram or whatever. It's like, gosh, I had no clue what your show means. The show means 40 millimeter case width, 20 millimeter lug width. We'll say it regularly. We were trying to be too cute. Maybe. I still love that name. 40 and 20. It's the perfect watch dimension. Sorry, uh, Oversteer. It is the perfect watch dimensions. It is. The most, maybe not perfect, but the most versatile, versatile. usable, wearable. That's right. 40 and 20 is going to fit on anyone's wrist, everyone's wrist. Maybe give me a dive watch. Give me an expedition watch. Give me, a, I mean, anything besides a dress watch. 40 millimeters, boom. Yep. And so my complaint with the modern iteration is that it's just a touch too big. It's too big. I, I want to, especially with a non-tapered bracelet, because uh, the bracelet looks killer on it. It's a butterfly clasp. Which I maybe would be hard to taper. I don't know. But if you're gonna do that, you, you got if you're not gonna taper your bracelet, you gotta have a smaller watch. You can't give me a forty-four millimeter watch and not taper it at all. That's just gonna be too big for me. You keep it at forty, I'm good with no taper. Mm-hmm. So comes in great colorways. I really, really like this green. Um, I really like the orange. The I, the the blue and orange. Yeah, it's it I like it a lot. And we tried this in black in Mexico, right? I think it was blue. Either way, we tried it in Mexico. Yeah. And it was, again, it was it was exactly what you expected. Just a hair too big. Not like Lunar Pilot big, but just a hair too big. And I want it, I want it closer to the... I, I want 40. Give me 40. This. Give me 40. This yeah. is a perfect watch at 40. It's perfect. It's so good. Give it to me in 40. Also, revamp your Caravel line. And and we'll we'll be good. We'll have no more complaints. Just business advice for days here, folks. Can I interject with a quick do it, uh, please. correction? So some of you who listen closely will know I recently picked up a Chris Vale Lou and Huey Commander three hundred. This is a Lou and Huey watch, Lou and Huey being a predecessor to the nth watch line that Chris Vale currently sells his watch under watches under. Uh, picked up a, a, a one a watch that I've been looking at for a hundred years, and I got it, and I was disappointed because the bracelet is not tapered. Uh, and, and I said that on the show. I think mm-hmm. I was really disappointed to find that the bracelet wasn't tapered. Well, at some point, I said that online, and this week, this week, I, I assume the man himself, certainly someone posting under the Instagram handle event watches, said it is tapered, and. Uh, I pulled the bracelet out and it is it tapers from 22 to 20 millimeters so it is a very subtle taper but it is tapered so i need to correct myself mm. and true to form psychosomatic symptoms and all of that i put it on the watch again because he also gave me shit about a jubilee he called he told me a jubilee was the man bun of the watch world which if you I, have a man a man beard and a man bun you're the coolest man alive. And if you can take your man beard, handlebar mustache, your man mustache, and have a man bun, holy cannoli. I can almost do that. I'll never be that cool. No, me either. I, I take umbrage with the Jubilee bracelet being a man bun. However, I put that bracelet back on the watch, and all of a sudden, just knowing it has a taper, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the worst. You guys, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. So cor- correction from Nth Nth Watches itself, th- the bracelet on the orthos commander 300 is tapered apologies never you suck put the torches away fuckers or bring the pitchforks second watch for me 
This is not a reissue. This is not a reissue. It looks like one though. This is a vintage inspired. This is vintage inspired. So Casio a couple weeks ago announces we're gonna reissue a old school watch. I don't know why they needed to do this. Because all their watches are already there. Because all their watches look exactly like this. But this watch is cool. It's cool. It's got 80s colors. It's got some hot pink. Casio a few weeks ago reintroduced uh, or introduced an A700W series digital watch. Um, I, I love it. I What's love the it. dimension on it? The, I think it's 40. Okay. So it looks I, very F91. It's bigger than that. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's that was my wonder. Is it is it bigger? And these come in at 35 bucks for the base version, and I think 80 for the for the gilded version. Um, there's also kind of a clean shark mesh stainless version, probably plated. Um, I personally prefer the base model that's got blue and and magenta on it. Uh, I think it's the most sort of dynamic uh version of these watches certainly if you wanted a, a a hipster gold watch or dress watch you could get the gold version but this is in my mind the thing companies like casio should be concentrating their efforts on nothing nothing wrong with the f91 or casio's various vintage watches but i think they should be doing more i think that they in in fact with this watch it's a new watch i don't think it's based on a historical model I think that Casio should be looking at its catalog very closely Mm -hmm. and taking some of that old technology because they've got old movement technology that's fucking ridiculous uh, and and really hitting it hard because Casio owns the cool vintage $100 and under market. They own it. They own it. Timex isn't even there. I mean, these Timex reissues are coming in at $250 to $350, right? You own this, Casio. You have the you have the manufacturing capabilities. Just own it. Just own it. Which, which will get me to my to one of my please reissue watches later. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. You're not going anywhere. But this watch, super cool. It's a rectangle case, a square case, as it were. Um, I love it. It's great, and it looks like every Casio. It looks like it, every Casio. It, it's an '80s Casio. The '80s are back in force. People, vintage inspired watches are back in force. Get on board, spend the 30 bucks, it, and it, either get the JDM Casio that everyone's wearing, or get one of these. You're going to love them both. Yeah. Casio, man. I'm more and more into Casio every day. You, you know, it, it's sort of like, uh, you, you know, people say Rolex, you know, when when you don't know anything about watches, Rolex is the best watch in the world. And then the more you learn about watches, you kind of push Rolex away. And then and then the next level of WIS is, oh, Yeah. Rolex actually makes the best watch in the world. I feel like the same thing has happened to me with watches or with Casio, excuse me, is before I was a watcher, I was like, oh, Casio is cool as shit. Then I became a watcher and I was like, oh, Casio is a little. And as I'm, I'm hitting this next level in my watch nerdness where I'm like, dude, Casio is the shit. How do they do what they do? They're the shit. Next up. A N A N A S N A N A N A N A N A S. When I do, when I write my grocery list, I I include like about twelve N A N A's <laughs> when I write bananas. <laughs> Hit it. Next up, we got the Timex Marlin, and I love this reissue for the for the reason that they grew it appropriately. 
to still be a perfectly sized watch. OG is 34, 35 millimeters. It's a it's a long running watch. So it's isn't grown... that where the first reissue came out? Wasn't the first issue the same size? Uh, it, it could have been, but currently it's sitting at 40 millimeters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So and 34, is... 34 on yeah. the OG, um, on the OG Marlin re-release. And I don't know if I'd go with that because 34 is just a little bit small. It's teeny. But 40 for a watch like this, it's perfect. It's almost a dress watch. It's dressy enough you can wear it to work, but it's it's subtle enough that you can wear it in the afternoon, on the weekends. I dig this watch. And what they're coming in at, what, two ninety nine, mm-hmm. Like, sub $300. Mm-hmm. You're an automatic movement from an American uh, company. Mechanical movement, right? Uh, right. So, mechanical movement, American company. I dig this watch and it, mm-hmm. it has it kind of has that bambino feel where it could mm-hmm. it could pass as a dress watch on leather um but it's not as big mm-hmm. it has that same very classic vintage inspired i mean it, it's a re-release and mm-hmm. it, it's a reissue and it is killer mm-hmm. no it, these are fantastic uh they're fantastic and and, and you know should surprise no one that every iteration of the marlin that's come out at this point in the last two years now have sold out immediately yep. right uh timex knows what it's doing and they're doing good timex knows what it's doing and, and and they're and they're killing it right they've got this italian design house that's that's working on their on their pieces you know they've got these american documents they've got the q timex they've got the marlin timex is on the cusp of becoming a major player in the cool the cool watch I think they'll get there. Industry. And, and and yeah, you're right. They're they're gonna get there. This love it, man. I even really like the thirty-four. You, you know, can we talk about the ability to wear small watches? Because I know that there are people that have bigger watches than me that can get away with wearing small watches. There's bigger wrists. Bigger wrists, what'd I say? Bigger watches. <laughs> there are people that have bigger watches than I me. I saw an Invicta that looked like a hubcap. There are people that have bigger wrists on me you know seven and a half um plus wrists i'm right about seven and a quarter right now um i think that there is a a wrist dynamic that allows you know people talk about how flat your wrist is how round it is but i think that there's also just a subcutaneous fat thing that some people you know say oh well i have a six and three quarters inch wrist and i weigh 180 pounds and it's like but all of your fat is located between your thumb and your elbow (laughs) see i i'm gonna i'm gonna say a 34 millimeter watch is the equivalent of a of a minivan for a man i think i think if you're gonna you you gotta have some swagger to look good driving a minivan i'm gonna defend the shit out of a minivan it's my very favorite car and i and i agree with you I don't know if I have the the necessary swagger to drive a minivan and look good doing so. I look good in a minivan. You do. I look good anywhere. Which means I think you have the necessary swagger to rock a 34 millimeter watch. I'm wearing a pink tank top today. You are. Pink and blue. (laughs) With Charlie Brown stripes on it. And a coffee stain. And a coffee stain because I spilled Irish coffee all over myself before we started recording. Hey, you, you know, this is an important diversion to our show today. I own... A sick as fuck Lexus LS 400 Gen 2. And when I say sick as fuck, I mean totally run down and on its last legs and still incredible. Uh, and I own a totally pedestrian Dodge Grand Caravan. And if you came to me with a gun to my head and said, pick one, I'm picking the Grand Caravan, man. I agree. I love minivans. It hauls ass. 
I put seven to eight people in it without even sweating. It's got a decent stereo. The AC works, unlike my fucking Lexus. Oh, that's gnarly right now. Whop, whop. So, yeah, I mean, even even with the AC, that, that Grand Caravan's the coolest car I've ever had. I love it. It's not cool, quote, unquote, cool, but coolest car I've ever had. When you're driving a, a minivan, you can also wear a gold Casio calculator watch. Fucking A. And a man bun and a handlebar mustache. Let's get into some reissues we wish would happen. Because there are some that need to happen. So many. Some that need. So I'm going to start with an obscure watch. Can I start with an obscure watch? Please do. If you've heard of this, you win the week's award, which is a thumbs up from me. I will give you an actual thumbs up. I'll do it. When I see the message, I'll give you a thumbs up. There is a watch from the company called Bulova that was released for a very limited time in 1969 <laughs> called the Sky Star. This is a world time automatic watch dive watch i'm gonna inter- inter- interrupt and say Please do i think bulova might have one of the most impressive and untapped catalogs of watches to reissue do you think we could afford a bulova should we just buy to it? buy it i think we should i think citizen would take it for five bucks and high five you know what we should do we should get together with buying on time and some of these bulova folks and put together a conglomerate of folks to buy bulova and make it the Wiss Watch Company. It could. Their catalog of 60s, 70s, 80s watches is so good, so deep. And I'm not at all surprised to see the amount of Bulovas that we have. We have th- we're going to have three all said and done today. Talking about our reissues and reissues we wish would happen. Bulova is like the... Oh, I don't know. Well, who's the who's the J.R. Smith? Bulova is the J.R. Smith of the watch world, right? Talent for days. An incredible career. And just a fucking idiot. You're an idiot, J.R. Smith. That's who Bulova is. Yeah. Bulova, I, you're a fucking idiot. You can do so much better. You could be killing it right now. And instead, you're not. You're an idiot. Yes. You're an idiot. Uh yeah, we should buy Bulova. We should. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. We got it. Y'all get on get on board with us. So the Bulova Sky that's Star. That's what the new pa- that's what the Patreon's going to right now is to purchase Bulova. Is this wonderful hooded lug dive style watch automatic with this beautiful glass blue bezel that fades like a motherfucker such a good case shape royal blue and every modern version you see has got this just ghosty sky blue wonderful i would buy a reissue of this in a second uh it's beautiful it's great it's fantastic reissue this sell it to me for 600 bucks boulevard i'm on it i'm on it you could you could have two sales right here Two sets. Just drop it. I'm on it. Here's the problem. This is, I think, a 40 millimeter watch. Bulova's going to re-release it. In 45. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> fucking J.R. Smith idiots. Okay, so that's my first one. Andrew, go. All right. Next up, we have the Seiko Pogue. And I don't know. Some asshole once told me in, in a pretty recent past that, oh, Seiko's going to redrop the Pogue. It's coming. It's coming. Look for it. You know who that guy was? No. Nope. It was you, Everett. <laughs> I heard. I heard someone told me. No, you read. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. 
God. I might have been wrong. Bring me the Pogue. <laughs> Bring it to me. I just I and and what I what I can trust with Seiko is that it's going to be true. It's going to be the right size cuz they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're not going to boulevard it up. Yeah, I mean Seiko's hit and miss on this. Yeah, I Seiko's just hit I, and miss on this. I trust with a watch with this uh lineage with this kind of uh unanimous respect and awe that they're going to go they're going to do the right thing and if they don't I'm going to buy one and I'm going to YouTube me hammering it to death you're not going to buy one and I'll tell you why cuz it's not going to happen <laughs> but, no it's going to happen it's going to happen I agree with you it's going to happen you're not going to buy one cuz it's going to be too big no cuz it's going to be 3000 bucks yeah they might do that they're going to release it as a prospects and it's going to be 3 grand uh yeah, they might You do that. are definitely not buying one. And and neither am I. It's going to be cool as shit. I want that. And, and we're going to look at it. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to be like, oh, that watch is so cool. We're not buying it. I I'm hope not buying it. And I hope Breitling does a re-release of their LCD nav timer. Oh, man. I won't I buy it, but I, w- I want it to happen. No, Seiko Pogue's going to happen. I'm sorry for giving you guys bad information. Eric from EMG the right worst. away reached out to me. And he's like, what the fuck did you hear that? You're an idiot. And so I sent him some links. And he's like, yeah, no. Uh, it's not happening. Uh, so I'll, I'll correct myself. That's a mistake. I want it to happen, though. Thanks, and I want right. it to be affordable. I've got a watch that I think should be reissued. Agreed. So, so one, I'll start by saying I was originally going to put the Tag Heuer, Tag Heuer, Hoyer 2000 in this spot. Um, but we just talked about that watch. But just know, Tag re-released the Hoyer 2000. However, I put a different watch here. And and I, there's a good reason for me having put this here. And the reason I put it here is because I think that Tag could release this for about 800 bucks and make a killing. I put the Tag Hoyer Formula One fiberglass OG in my gotta release it. Mm-hmm. It's a quartz movement. It's cool as shit. This is one of the watches that people give sh- Tag shit about because it's kind of gaudy. It's a little annoying just looking at it. It's kind of annoying, but it's annoying in a I want it kind of way. It's got a super duper 90s bezel. And if you're in any way into motorsports, this watch is for you. Yeah. Chunky and kind of yucky and and makes me it makes me tempt my pants a little bit. It I just love looks this. it looks like a a tire. Not a <laughs> racing tire, but all the way around. The the texture of the of the bracelet that it's on. Look at the, this. The, a red fiberglass case that says Formula One in big language. A, a, a bracelet that's ugly as, or a, a strap that's ugly as shit that you cut yourself. Uh, a black, nasty, matte fiberglass. Fiberglass. Bezel. Get the fuck in me. I want it, man. Get in me. This is a watch I'd hide in my butt. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want it. I want it. And you know what? They could do this for 800 bucks. It's quartz. It's cheap. It's nasty. Give it. Oh, to then me. they'll make a killing on it. A killing. If Tag Re releases for eight hundred bucks right now, they'd sell a thousand copies day one, like that. Yeah, maybe more. I don't know. I don't know anything about watches. I want it. Andrew, go. Here it is. Another Bulova, just like we promised. The bow tie. Mm. the bow tie case and this came in a, in a bunch of iterations yeah yeah um we've it, got a space view up here right the, what, this isn't the og space view but they made a space view bow tie they did because the space view was so popular and this right. this case shape is so unique I've, i mean it's a bow tie case shape 
and, and I love it. I want something like this. Mm-hmm. I want I want this watch, and I want them to re-release it. Mm-hmm. It is a unique case shape. It's it's gonna you you know it's gonna have the killer bullova movement. It's gonna be forty eight millimeters. Yeah, though. that's the problem. I mean, <laughs> if if this comes in if this comes in south of forty one, I think I would buy it. Yeah. How it, much how much do we need to buy bullova again? Uh, hopefully ten bucks on a high five. <laughs> I mean, could we do it for a billion dollars? Could we buy Bolivar for a billion dollars? I don't remember what Citizen bought him for. It was north of that, though, I think. I mean, what a great IP that's just being totally squandered. No, this is great. And so some of you are going to be like, what's the bow tie? Just Google Bolivar bow tie. It's this fantastic lug lug shape. Lug shape. Rather rather than having having perpendicular, like straight out lugs, an H shape, it's got a... uh, horizontal almost like it's a like another circle going to it right like another just fucking look it up <laughs> we can't describe it you know because we've been drinking tolamore dew for the last two hours yeah so just just look our it ability up. to communicate with you on this it's podcast a, it's is... a bow tie shape all right it's imagine it very look cool. at it love it it's so good and it would do so well in the current market mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is so 60s feel mm-hmm. which is which is where watches are trending towards right now yep and it is it'd kill it in the market you you know i wonder the my only concern with this is how do you can you put any strap in this i don't know and it, and it looks to be like you can put any strap way. in it it does look that way yeah you, you know it, it looks a little tight so maybe not a nato strap but no, certainly not a NATO, but I th- this isn't going to go. This wouldn't do a NATO. That's you right. want you want leather on this. That's right. You put it on a sexy calf or um, a ostrich. CXL or ostrich or something. No. Yeah, you, you know, uh, definitely cool. And I totally agree with you. Wonderful. They should they should come up with something. Suede would look good on that. Look, look, this watch. I don't care what, I don't, what size is this. Thirty five. Uh, I didn't write down, but this, I, probably this needs to yeah. be thirty seven millimeters. Thirty seven and eighteen. That's what it needs to be. Oh, that'd be a good dress watch. That's it? Yeah. It needs to be 37 and 18. Period. Next. <laughs> all right, this is my last watch. I'm a little sad about this one because it feels like we're ending one of my favorite shows of all time. You sent me this and I was kind of like, meh. And then I got into it. Yeah, because there's so much. And then we could do three more it. episodes on this. Uh, Yeah, no, we could talk about this forever. So um, this is not a, a watch necessarily, although I will at some point reduce this to a watch. But Casio, we're going to go back to our friends, the Japanese folks at Casio. Because again, they've got, they've got, I mean, between Casio and Bulova, can we buy Casio too? I we probably can't afford that. We could maybe afford Bulova. I mean, if we if we win the lottery like four times in a row, we could maybe afford Bulova. There's some dudes who've got algorithms to know what what lottery numbers are going to win. They're in prison, but I'm sure they could pass us the algorithm. Boom. Uh, so uh, th- this is not a, a watch per se, but I will reduce it to a watch. And and the reason I'll reduce it to a watch because it's the one that's most readily available and the one if you Google these words, you'll find what I'm talking about. But the Casio tacky meter dw-400 casio has this bank of cool shit that they did in the 80s and 90s this is a watch from 1990 this is a watch from 1990 that's got this fantastic history of when casio was like what can we do what can we do 
And so there's three... Anything, Casio. There's three sort of different versions of this watch. There's the tachymeter. And it's two words. Tachymeter. There's the uh, Skywalker. Also two words. And there is the surf timer. The surf timer is almost impossible to find. These have hardened resin cases or hardened... I believe it's hardened resin case. They have metal bezels. Very similar design language to the AMW 320 in terms of the bezel. You, you know, if you've seen a Seiko Arni or you've seen the Casio Arni, both of those have similar design language. It's kind of in there, but a hardened resin case. Uh, and just psychedelic Ken Kesey, cool 80s Blade Runner dial. Yep. On all three of them. And they're different. Each of them is different. Um, I dig the shit out of it. And Casio re-released this right now. All three of them. They could just drop a three a three watch set. And they'd sell six. They Side by three. At least six. Times about a thousand, I think. Yeah. Look. Look. They'd sell the fuck out of these. They would sell the fuck out of these. Because they're cool and 80s and retro. And they're in Casio's wheelhouse. Needs to be released. It needs to be released right now. Do it, Casio. Go. Right now. By <laughs> Thursday, when you listen to this, Casio, I want to, I want shit on the drawing board. And by next recording, I want to be buying these watches. Right now. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I love them, man. I love them. I love them. I want one. These are the poor man's LCD nap timer. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. They're fantastic. They're a good size. They've got good buttons. They're 80s. They're Harrison Ford with a weird shaped gun. All up in my booty. Another watch that had my butt. I don't have a lot of room up there, but there's <laughs> some watches that are going to hide. You can't get this one up there. It's big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else uh, Anything else in terms of watches you no, want to talk about? Nothing on that. You're You're my friend. Do you have any other stuff you're interested in? I do. I am on the hunt right now for an outboard motor for the drift boat. Oh. And for any of you, and, and I'm, when I say I'm on the hunt, I'm 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 getting two two feet deep and I'm about to be knee deep in trying to find the right size, the right motor, and I I have seen and read a whole variety of best practices for an outboard for a drift boat and if any of y'all are drift boaters and and have a river boat like that give me let's please offer some feedback i've seen everything from a six horse to a 9.9 and i just i want i want a good answer so i'm gonna keep looking if you have any feedback please let me know because i'm i'm tending towards the smaller end uh I, i've talked to some folks who like the 9.9 and they put a sock on it so that they can better control it bottom line is i need an outboard for this drift boat and if you have any experience in it i want all the advice all the feedback so if you know someone if you do it yourself let me know what's your i mean what's your end goal with the with the outboard end goal for the outboard i want to be able to fish a hole drift down fish it back up fish it again i want to be able to motor up when we stick the anchor are you are you looking to cross a lake with this thing or No, I just want to be able to motor back up the river. Because it would be nice. I'm just saying it as, would a, be, as a semi-interested third party, it would be it nice would be. to be able to drop this thing into a lake. It it would be, and that's part of it, but I also I want to be able to take it to uh to to the 
to the connection at the ocean and be able to motor back up and not get swept out to sea and have to live on my drift boat like a castaway. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want, which is why I'm tending towards, I'm tending towards a, a low horsepower, but I only want to get one. I don't want to have like a, a an outboard for all these different applications. I want to get one. The 9.9 seems like it might be the best option, but I don't know how often I'm going to need that big of an outboard on this very lightweight boat. All right. If your name is Sam Sam Roberts, please stop listening. What is your budget? Because I won the drift boat. All I want is to not exceed the value of the boat. <laughs> right? Like the, a the, thousand bucks? I'm totally cool with a thousand dollars. I mean, because I, I think probably there's a lot out there, but I want to yeah. make sure I'm making the right purchase. And I've read, I've read everything from from the six horse, like the little trolling motors, to get a nine point nine outboard. I've read it all. I want to hear from from people who have done it, from experienced it, and and what. So they based like. on your research, can you get a trolling motor and and also row? Because you know, I know we've there's been times where we've been on the river and we're just you know one of us is in the seat and we're just sweating all of our guts into the into the oars. Is there a trolling motor that will supplement that, like a like a sort of hybrid electric bike? Oh, there's there's plenty of electrics that'll that'll do the trick. But the and then we'll have someone in the seat and somebody somebody at the on on the motor, and that's I don't think that's an issue at all. But I'd like to reduce the amount of sweating our balls off <laughs> to to be able to just go yeah, and, yeah. and 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 cruise back up. And okay. I know I'm not. It's not going to be like a just fire it up and have no issue because you know you can overhorse this and and suddenly have a out of control rocket ship so um, this is a call to arms if you're a 40 and 20 listener and you know this stuff please reach out to us we'd love to hit you up we'll give you a shout out on the show hey so-and-so helped us helped us solve this mystery um but yeah yeah no i i think you need it i think you need it and i think you need to spend money on it and then we can fish with it yeah <laughs> I'm ready. I'm willing. <laughs> Sam, you can tune back in now. But you you, you didn't hear this because you weren't listening. All right. So I'm going to talk about something that we haven't ever talked about on the show before. Um, and, and, and I think you guys are going to be excited about it. I've been watching a show called Stranger Things on Ooh, Netflix. I've heard about it. <laughs> so my wife and I, after you talked about this last week, my wife and I started Stranger Things on How Netflix. How have you not watched it? No, no, it? listen, listen. I've watched the first two episodes, or the first two seasons, uh, but we went back, watched the first season again, and oh my gosh, I'm just enamored by these characters. I'm, you know, second time through on that first season, I'm more enamored than ever. Uh, you, you know, the story is wonderful. The characters are so brilliant. You know, I think watching it through a second time, I picked up on all these Steven Spielberg, E.T., you know, n- not just not just sort of hints, but like straight, straight homage to Steven Spielberg, right? You, you, you know, at, at some point, uh, Mike is sitting with Eleven. E- Eleven being our ET uh, protagonist, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're they're sitting in his room. Mom's at work. They're faking sickness. Uh, Mike has faked a sickness to be home, and they're playing with ET care or excuse me, uh, Star Wars characters, and he's mimicking Yoda's voice. And I'm like, 
holy shit, this is brilliant. It, yeah. It's, it's not a ripoff. It's just brilliant, wonderful, romantic homage to this part of my life that is so fun. It's so fun to see it. I, I, I'm watching this through the second time. We, we watched season one and we're kind of dipping into season two at this point. And I think... I think this is the best show on, on on TV right now. And they did the best thing. David Harbour, over the last Love that guy, few by days, the way. has been changing his Instagram profile picture to a series of numbers. The series of numbers is a phone number that when you call, you get a Murray outgoing voicemail. You, you, get, you get Murray Bauman's voicemail. And How the cool. Mes- and the message is delightful feel free to look it up what's the phone number do you have it i don't, i didn't write it down god I, damn it, it, it just, god I, damn it check you, out david harbour's instagram uh, no no just google <laughs> if, if, if you open up chrome on your phone and you you go to the new tab it's it's in your top hits like you know how, how chrome yeah. on your phone has yeah, yeah. like suggested websites it's in the top hits and you get a david or a, a, a murray bauman outgoing message it's so good wonderful wonderful yes. so i'm sorry to i'm sorry to Look, if you're listening and you want us new shit from us every week, I'm, I'm going to have disappointed you this week. I just gave you some new shit. But Dave, David Harbour. David Harbour gave you a phone number. makes it new. Stranger Things. We need to reiterate this. Wonderful. Wonderful. Go back. Even if you've watched season one, go back and watch it a second time because the, the subtleties and the things you pick up on, it's just... When the stress is gone. Fantastic. Yeah. It's just absolutely fantastic. So... Um, I felt a little bad because I was like, this is it. I need to talk about this this week because, uh, you, you know, it's it's sort of what I'm doing and, and where I've been in my other things life. And and I don't feel bad about it. Uh, golly, Stranger Things, just beautiful. So I haven't watched season three yet. I haven't gotten there. Watch it. I'm going to get there eventually. I'm going to watch it in order. Take the week off. I don't look, care. Look on the... That's so loud. <laughs> That's the loudest y'all have ever heard me. <laughs> I think, you know, it fills up. So, you know, we do, we, we live monitor, for right now at least, we live monitor our audio. His, he filled up the audio tube. All right. Anything else you need to know? No. Anything else you need to tell the people about? No. Anything you guys need to tell us, please feel free to message us on Instagram. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. And if you want to become a supporter or a, a patron of the show, check us out on patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next week for another episode of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Bumming on Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.